Welcome back to the HLS Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Ritter. You can call me MD Tex. And as always, you can find us over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, or wherever you happen to get your podcast feeds at. Make sure you come join us over in Discord. That is our live chat channel, HerLittleSons.com. HerLittleSons.com slash Discord is where you can find us. Of course, uh, when we decide to broadcast on Twitch TV, you can find us on Twitch.tv slash HerLittleSons. And we are always over at home at HerLittleSons.com. And with that said, time to bring in from our our little off-season hibernation, now a married man, Shane. How are you doing, my friend? I'm good, man. I feel like a national champion. I got new hardware, specifically a ring. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Awesome. I love it too, man. Yeah, welcome to the the married ranks. And uh, thank you. Thank you. Now now having to to get the new new feel, you know, adjustments and and everything. I mean, (laughs) it has been, it has been a period. I mean, not only did we get married last Saturday, we also closed on our house the Tuesday before. So it's just been, we did it all in one five day span. So I am just, I've been, I have not stopped doing shit for so long that I'm at the point. It's like, when, when do we get to just be married? <laughs> when does that happen? <laughs> I think I've been asking myself that since we've had kids. <laughs> when does this restart back to normal? Yeah. Uh, but yeah. yeah, congratulations. It's awesome. Thank you. But yeah, uh, we wanted to restart the podcast. I mean, we had a few yep. reasons for, for wanting to do it. Uh, but we thought it's like, okay, what are we going to talk about leading up to the offseason? I mean, we, we got to see the blue gold game and there's only so much we could digest from there, uh, which, you know, I enjoyed watching. It, it was a lot of fun, but yeah. we still got a lot of missing context because we didn't get to see much of practice, even even the beat. I, I feel like listening to the podcast, you know, they, they were even, you know, trying to stretch mm-hmm. some things out here. Here and there so what i decided was you know shane believe it or not we've been doing this uh, you and i specifically i mean i've been doing mm-hmm. some form of this podcast and in, in one way or another for a while but us being a duo it's been five we're working into five years now insane yeah which insane if you're doing the math five <laughs> years ago was that lovely 2016 season i mean what a hell of a time for us to try to figure out how we were going to work and function with each other when uh, I think the entire team was trying to figure out how to work and function with each other. Yeah, it's crazy to think that that was when we started doing this. It's like, it really felt, it feels kind of like it's been longer in a strange way because like, you, I, I just, you, you almost don't remember the chaos of right. jumping in that that far into such a mess and trying to make sense of it. But, you know, here we are. It's been five years. It's insane. Yeah, it's been five years. And and during that, before the bottom fell out of the season, I had a mm. particular line in there. And I think it was, in general, either it was a frustrating win or, or we had actually lost one. Who knows? It was 2016. It, it, we probably lost one. <laughs> Most <laughs> of the time, we did. <laughs> but I, I had a comment. And I remember uh, uh, at least one other podcast uh, latching onto the comment and not, not being very happy about it. Mm. Um, 
But the comment was, is like, look, from what we've seen from BK, I get the frustrations that he'll go eight and five. But overall, my comment was, look, if eight and five is the floor, well, fine. Sign me up for that. Sign me up for eight and five. If that's if that's the bottom. Now, obviously, that line went to shit immediately because that was not the bottom. (laughs) Right. The bottom was four and eight, or at least we hope that was the bottom. But I I was I was thinking back on that, you know, just the, you know, to to reset five years later. I mean, we have the everybody jokes about the BK 2.0, but really have our expectations of this team change as well? Because, I mean, this is technically a rebuilding year, if we want to be honest. But it's it's a rebuilding in a sense that you don't really want to change all the parts out because we're not throwing Tyler Buckner into the Wolves. That's why Jack no. Cohn's on the team. Right. So you, you see all these pieces of they want to still hit a certain level of success. So if, I, if I'm honestly asking myself, Ryan, if this team goes eight and five, how do you feel about that being the floor and looking at the mm. schedule, looking at this team? Shane, I, I think my expectations may have changed be- considering where this team has come. What about you? Yeah, I think I don't think you'd be unreasonable to, to, to think that because I think, you know, when we said that or when you said that specifically in 2016 about eight and five being the floor. It, it, it was, I think, fairly what we had come to know over six years as a relative average with that four and eight season being the one exception aside from the 12 and 0 season in 2012 that really like brought us back to earth. Because when we got to 12 and 0, you know, we were in fucking orbit at that, at that point. Everyone was just thinking BK's the guy, you know, we've got the tools in place. And I mean, if he can do this with a combination of Tommy Reese and Everett Golson, who knows what he could do, et cetera, et cetera. But then 2016 happens and it brings us down to the well. I mean, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. You know, clearly we can't always have it all. Um, we had not seen anything like a four and eight season in such a really a long time that I think we had to kind of pump the brakes and say eight and five was fair. But I'm sorry, dude, like uh, now removed from two playoff trips you know uh, in in recent years i think it's not unreasonable to say that 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 should change now it should change and and if it and if if we're being unrealistic in, in saying that i mean i that i think that's a bigger reflection on what's expected of this program right but brian kelly has also done enough changing for i think that to be on its own merit a reasonable starting point right Right. And that's that's the thing that struck me because, you know, around that time and really leading up to that season, even, you know, on that when we were in orbit, we're like on top of the world going 12 and 0 and and then Alabama beat us. And then everybody that was already in the, you know, beat changer tractor kept like, aha, I told you Uh this was all smoke and mirrors. You finally ran into a team like Alabama and it was all bullshit. We told you so, you know, the self-fulfilling prophecy thing that drove us nuts. So. You know, when, when, when you kind of, the, but the, the overall point that those folks had in general was, you know, it, it was kind of like, you know, people talking down to millennials almost like you, you this generation just doesn't understand what Notre Dame football should be like, you know, right. your expectations are too low. And, you know, I, I, I when we were going through that desert of Ty Willingham, you know, Bob Davey and Charlie Weiss, you know, we're just like, look, let's just start building. And, and I think also, you know, part of me, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm shocked BK is still the coach. 
Like he's been mm. here for a really freaking long time. When you sit back yeah, and, and think about it, I mean, he's over a decade. Are you freaking kidding me at this university? At Notre Dame. Yeah. I mean, Urban Meyer can't go like a couple of years without finding some <sighs> kind of medical excuse. And now he's with the freaking Jaguars. See how long that lasts. But, it, yeah. you know, Nick Saban has actually stayed in place for a while, but that's a top flight coach. You know, that, that's the exception to the rule. And it's weird that Brian Kelly not only has done that, but has done it in such a way to where we, we hit that quick peak went all the way to rock bottom and then figured out how to not only reinvent and rebuild himself, but the program too, and not have it take that much time to where we can honestly take a look and say, it's like, okay, everybody that said, look, you were, you had very mediocre expectations. I don't think people have those same mediocre expectations anymore. And that's honestly not a bad thing because of where BK helped put the program. Right, right. And I mean, that's not to say that we're not still going to hear the same bullshit all the time from oh, yeah. the naysayers who are like, it's still Notre Dame. You know, they're not, they may be top 10 for a week or two, but let them run into an SEC team. That'll <laughs> knock them back out or whatever the fuck. Especially outside always, the fandom. Oh, God. It's, it, it'll it, that's what I'm away. saying. Especially outside the fandom. Like, there are always going to be the people who grew up and ingrained in their minds that Notre Dame doesn't deserve the same level of respect as conference members, as power five members, as, you know, conference championship participants, et cetera, et cetera. Like, and that's fine. You know, and if they want to continue to hold on to that, that's great. But the fact of the matter is it's a new era in the sport, not just in the program, you know, with, with the college football playoff came a reassessment of really what it takes to be at the top of the sport, right? It's be in the top four and we're in the conversation. And that's really it. I mean, you're not necessarily expected to beat Clemson and Alabama these days because they always seem to be in the in the final but being in that top four at least more than that one anomalous time see Oklahoma right Oklahoma gets to show up and be a participant you know three two or three years now and they get smoked in round one and they're just swept to the side no problem but no one's looking at the Oklahoma Sooners and saying those motherfuckers ain't doing shit like no you still respect them as the cream of the crop at the Big 12 and that is not to say nothing about Iowa State and where they've come to in Texas is just LOL Texas. But, um, <laughs> but you know, but like you can't, you can't deny it when a program reaches that top four per, that position by the end of the year consistently, which I think we, it's rel- not, maybe not safe to say, but you have to acknowledge that Notre Dame is now at that level. Was it Ian Book? Was it a specific athleticism that was just throughout the, the, the program? Was it happenstance? I mean, maybe, but I don't think a single player a program makes. I think the coach and the, the, the development that he puts in place around them is really what creates its own merit. So, like, yeah, you're going to have, like I said at the beginning, you're going to have more people saying all every year, Notre Dame doesn't belong. But if they're in the top three, top four, top two, you know, again, at what point are you just denying reality? Honestly, like that's the problem that I see is that you can't really you can't fight the numbers. They just the facts are what they are. 
And I remember when I talked, and it feels like forever ago, when I uh, talked to Ty Hildenbrand over at the Solid Verbal, when at a face-to-face meeting, no less. He, oh, he wow. Shane, can you believe he drove down? You know, <laughs> flew down he flew down from Pennsylvania to Texas and, and was at wow. a hotel, and, and we met there to, to have a conversation. And then I went to a movie theater full of people uh, to see the Solid Verbal. Oh, God. Wow. I can't, <laughs> what so reality those days are coming back. I know. Uh, but I remember he, he said, it's like, yeah, Notre Dame's kind of like a good boring football program like not not lighting it up but good uh the folks over at one foot down i know brendan was kind of picking a fight like uh with some of the media because uh uh he's like was like why is everybody freaked out about cincinnati yeah it's like i'm not dogging them but are we always gonna find the group of five team that terrifies us just because it's like oh hold me i'm irish it's gonna happen yeah i mean and, and that's and so it's it's the entire fandom you've seen the expectations kind of change like you know uh they're, they're podcast uh was entitled like normalized notre dame being a good football program yeah like, that's that's where we're at right now and it's it's really and, and even in the in some of the moves that bk has has made to specifically um you know and it's not just on you know the personnel that's on the field but in his staff as well yes that, yes. that is completely changed and completely different um he is he's not going on the buddy system anymore he got rid of and, and a lot of people say, you know, Bayless is probably like the number one factor in change, but we got him because he fired his longtime buddy. Correct. For, for running Longo Beach. Well, Longo Beach is out. Now it's body by yeah, Bayless. Longo, everybody, everybody is saying this is every coach that leaves Notre Dame's like, God, he he made such a, a huge difference. I mean, that that has been monumental. It's like up and down from BK on downward. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. shit's gonna change. And like the quarterback situation, we're not going to do 2016 again. Ian Book's doing really, really good in practice. I know that, you know, Wimbush, he hasn't lost yet, granted, but he ain't going to get us where we need to go. And what did that move do? It only gave us the winningest quarterback in Notre Dame history, which is Brackers. Right. right. Insane. It's just, it's just, and it's, it's exactly what you said. It's, it's about really. If, if you if normalizing the program's success can be a perspective thing, but really it just boils down to the decisions that BK not not only has he made as you know as an adapting and willing evolving human, which is the way of the millennial. Like he's almost it's almost <laughs> like he's bridging. I'm telling you, that's it how really do is. how do millennials climb the ladder? You know, they don't just stay at a company for five years anymore. They hop around every two years and they jump their salaries like like crazy. That's just that's just the success model because it demonstrates their value and their versatility. Brian Kelly takes some of his old his old ways, right? And he he found moderate success for those first six years. And it, it, it definitely got him his foot in the door and his, like, his roots planted at the Notre Dame program. But dude, like the, the, eventually that, the, it, the clock ran out and he, he, re- I mean, not only did he have to realize, but he was absolutely shown your buddies ain't, ain't it no more, man. BBG gotta go. You know, Charlie Molnar, the only one that stuck around, I mean, is what's Chuck Martin at this point? I mean, and then he's gone. He, he went. What is it? He went to Miami, Ohio. Elston's so, probably the the only other one that's had tenure. Elston Elston then remains his longest legacy, and now he's a head, associate head coach, etc. But I mean, that's only because he has stayed a successful asset, Mike Elston. He has been the recruiting edge when there really wasn't a presence prior to Marcus Freeman's incredible arrival and show stopping presence that that is now. But it's it's evident that essentially. 
all of his old ties eventually had to be let go. And it took a while for all of that to come to fruition. It took 2016 for that really to be like the, look, here's the proof. This is not working, okay? Your ideals, your old boys, your legacy history, whatever, Grand Valley State does not exist in this timeline anymore. You understand? Like, he had to be shown that. But it did not take him long after that to realize, okay, so each year I really need to, like, look at what I got going on here, right? I have these legacy, these these former stars on my staff that are coaching, and I'm sorry, but they're not doing shit. So... At what point does, you know, all, all the, the stats and all the records that these guys have that are on my coaching staff, what, at what point does that matter anymore? You know, it doesn't impress any of these students anymore. It's not connecting with these guys in 2020, 2019, 2018. So he realized that when Marcus Freeman, the name came free, he was not going to shit sit around and wait for that guy to come fall in his, into his lap. He jumped, he took it and look what's happened. I mean, I can't, we can't. We cannot quantify yet, right? Marcus Freeman's direct impact. But I think you would have to be staring into the dirt to deny that his presence has changed the way that recruiting feels. When was the last time any of us gave a shit about recruiting? Honestly, yeah, it, I did. I have it for years. Yeah, it's just been looking around and we, we'll dive into the recruiting later. But yeah, I mean, you really have people there. There seems to be a different energy there. And it's it's yeah. interesting that, you know, BK and has not only, you know, he'll go after the hot name, he'll, he finds the good fits, too. I mean, Marcus yes. Freeman was kind of a perfect storm because he, he's a coach around in the Midwest. So Notre Dame might appeal to him a little bit more than maybe a hot shot down south or something. But mm-hmm. everything just seemed to fit. So and, and that's what I think BK has done a good job of figuring out, OK, it's not just this network that I've developed. There's a certain fit that has to be in Notre Dame. I got to fit a certain way into Notre Dame. Because even in this run of success, he still went back into the well. He hired Jeff Quinn, which terrified yeah. a lot of people. But yeah. so far, that move has he's, he's only what produced one of the best offensive lines we've ever seen at the yeah. university. You know, so he's right up there where he stand. So there's like, OK, not much of a drop off there. And he has a ballsy move of, yeah, I'm going to take that Tommy Rees guy because <laughs> I, I, I think he's going to go ahead and be a good coach. And he says, all right. Let's go ahead and give you the bowl game because I, I fired the other hot shot that I thought was going to work and fit. And apparently, you know, Chip Long was a, a disaster in, in a lot of different ways that I don't think yeah. we're ever going to get the full story on. But the bits and pieces that have le- leaked out, it's uh, it's a little uh, strenuous, it seems. The entire yeah, a situation little hostile. was. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but you have Tommy Reese who I, I, you got to think about this and, and this is the kind of stuff to where this is why my perception has changed is because you have mm-hmm. a year one offensive coordinator like that is a built-in excuse that i've been used to for so long it's like look it's year one of this coordinator trying to figure it out you know mm-hmm. we, we, let's give mm-hmm. him a little bit of time what do they do they go to the playoffs yeah yeah it's, man. It's first year coordinator at notre dame goes to the freaking playoffs that's yeah. insane yeah and I mean, remember that that was another that, that that choice on Tommy Reese. That was another one where the entire fan base, you know, either you had eye rollers or celebrators, right? You had either the oh boy, here we go, BK going back to the people he knows, right? You know, he coached Tommy, and 
you know, Tommy always said he wanted to be a coach like his father, and he went to the NFL and didn't do shit with the Chargers, yada, yada, yada. That was all the naysaying. Lazy crony hire. He clearly actually didn't learn anything from 2016. And all those same people were like, but what the hell? It was between him and Joe Moorhead. Oh, Joe Moorhead. Look (laughs) at what he did at Mississippi State. Oh, my God. (laughs) What a bait. It was just, I mean, that is just a perfect example of like how they were sitting there just looking at the flashy name. And it's, and I think it's not, I don't think it's any fans or, or follower of the programs. I don't think it's their fault for making these mistakes, right? I don't think it's hard for the outsiders to look in and think, oh, the coach should just do the slam dunk thing that's known, right? The known quantity, Joe Moorhead, whatever. But I think at the end of the day, we make the mistake of thinking we know based on what we've seen, right? That, oh, Joe Moorhead created that. I don't, I don't think it's, it's never that simple. It's really never has been that simple at any level of coaching in the collegiate game. Has it ever been? Ah, thank God. Uh, what's his name? Joe Brady or whatever the hell. He is the reason why, you know, LSU goes wherever it is. Like that's not quite it. It's a lot of things in place at the right time. You know, it, it's never, you know, one person carries the credit. So when Brian Kelly makes his choice, and he sees Tommy Reese is going to be my guy. We have to understand that it's based on more shit than we're ever going to know about. It's based on more things than we're ever going to be told about. It's probably more than a relationship between a coach and a former quarterback. It's more than a guy that he has faith in and believes has the innovative potential. It's probably a lot more about like, this is the dude that's going to get my team bought the fuck in right now. And achieve the success that I want today. Not BVG calling Jalen Smith by his fucking number instead of his name in team meetings and shit. Like, what? Like, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Like, that's what you'd be welcoming in by bringing in somebody from the outside. Like, And and these are things that I, I am merely speculating, but I think any person can take a thousand foot view and pretty quickly empathize with the idea that a coach has to decide on a lot more than what we think he should be choosing on. And ultimately, we have seen, both with the hire of Tommy Reese, the hire of Matt Bayless, and hopefully now with the hire of Marcus Freeman, that it is more than just, hey, like this is the known quantity. Like, yeah, Marcus Freeman has that going for him too. That's not a bad thing. But man, when you listen to the character, when you listen to the communication, even in spring practices, when you just listen to the way that these people try to relate to the player on the field. It is from a player to player mentality. Tommy Reese was a player in this program. Marcus Freeman was a player in a very recent Ohio State program. Right. Yeah. You understand? Like, <laughs> this is, this is, this is the way of the future now. And I think Brian Kelly looked at the landscape and said, man, these young guys know something I fucking don't. And it's working. Yeah, and and it's definitely different. It it filters down all of that that the communication and that mindset from from Brian Kelly. And I think it's the reason why you know we go into we seem to go into every season with a question at a certain position. Obviously, this season we have a lot more than we ever have, uh, but it, you know. It's different when you come into a program and say, you know, yeah, next man in, get the right kind of guys and all that. It's it's a whole lot different when you've actually shown the work before. Mm-hmm. And, and Notre Dame has consistently shown the work. And, and I think that really it feeds confidence into the team that, yeah. you know, not only am I going to get a fair shot here or there 
when, you know, my number is called, it's my time to step up. I mean, just mm-hmm. look at the blue goal game. You know, people have been <laughs> pining for Kaiser to get more playing time. He looked great there out in the field. Bo Bowers, everybody. He reminds me of Bill Bates on the Dallas Cowboys because he was like a special teams missile. Just and a then, monster. <laughs> yeah. And then Bo Bauer got a chance to take that into like live snaps. And just mm-hmm. you could tell he was just freaking loving life. I mean, that's the that's the kind of unity that this team has. I mean, if you, if you really want to take a step back on that blue gold game alone is a great example. A yeah. lot of huge names were out. I mean, you had so many people that were just not playing, but you still had all these little moments from everybody else. And you could see, you know, folks stepping up here and there. Um, And and speaking of, you know, seeing different ones, last time you saw in a, hey, we're going to do vanilla defense type thing. Marcus Freeman's like, fuck you up, Blitz. (laughs) Fuck your vanilla defense. But even better, that was probably his vanilla shit. He's like, I have to blitz you. I'm so sorry. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? And it's like, you want want a Buckner to be live right yeah we're firing people at him let's see how he handles it mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean that great yeah. attitude i love it i mean it, and i know it's like oh yeah the good aggressive defense but no it's 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 the whole attitude of the team everybody is on board with it you didn't see you know eye rolling or like somebody on the offensive line getting pissed shoving a guy after a play like really you guys are like a, a rudy scene you know it's like calm the fuck down rudy <laughs> I yeah i mean it's they bleed confidence and i mean that's that is all part like sure the coaching staff is there to reinforce and to develop and to build that but let's not forget man this team beat clemson last year number one clemson they did that shit at home you don't think that they looked at themselves in the mirror differently from that point forward you don't think that every single player on that field thought yeah we can do all of this we can do every single bit of that lsu alabama clemson bullshit no problem you give us the opportunity, we can do it. Yeah, when Trevor Lawrence showed up, things got a little bit different. Let's things not pretend. Different. <laughs> let's yeah. not pretend like they were brought back down to earth, but they were show they were given a look through the window and to say in into a universe where they're beaten number ones. Yeah, and yeah, now, yeah. I mean, now it's now it's they probably practice with it every single day. Exactly. And you take a look at the, like, again, with the expectations, like, look, nobody, I, I think they're at Notre Dame within that program or, or really any fan that, you know, is taking themselves seriously and being honest about the situation thinks they're on that same level. But you can see the little no. Notre Dame is this team that is, you know, there's a glass ceiling above them that, mm-hmm. you know, Alabama, Clemson and Ohio State every now and then are sitting on top of as well. But they're just sitting there. They're trying to like, they have this little chisel and they're just kind of picking away, picking away. And what happened, you know, if you go with that metaphor, what happened with Clemson is they stepped on one of the big cracks and Notre Dame took advantage and just jammed that motherfucker in the right spot and everything Mm -hmm. collapsed on that one night. Perfect storm. But people have been waiting for that moment for Mm -hmm. that, you know, where's Brian Kelly's signature win? Don't care who the quarterback was. Travis Etienne, the the memory I will have was him still on the sideline. He's like, Hit hard, like they just hit this, hard. Just this shock that Notre Dame <laughs> came to play physical football. Which I mean, that's the mentality that people had. Like the the false illusion of Notre Dame, you can run over these guys. They're, they're yeah. not built to to run toe to toe with you. So you were able to to go ahead and throw that haymaker right there, and you absolutely stunned the champ, basically. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and they could never recover, and that was awesome. And unfortunately, you had to do it again. So there was no surprises this time. And you mm-hmm. had a guy that had to sit on the sideline the whole time, seething at the mouth. Just, you know, he was Trevor Lawrence was dying to play. 
So, I mean, it's the opposite perfect storm in reverse. That was an awful situation to be in. We all kind of knew, like, we were were screwed in that situation. Sure. And same thing with Alabama. They're starting multiple Heisman contenders on that team. It was a complete mismatch. It was an awful setup. Uh, But it's funny, you even hear Nick Saban talking about matchups with Notre Dame and specifically calling out Notre Dame. It's like, yeah, everybody like went at them with nickel defense. And that's the dumbest thing to ever do because Notre Dame can run over you. So Nick Mm -hmm. Saban had this very obvious light bulb go off in his head, but it's because other teams, but now it's the other side of the coin. There were other teams not built to sit up and stand up against Notre Dame. Notre Dame took a look across the sideline and what everybody wanted. It's like, just, just be that mean physical run them over, run the damn ball. And Tommy Reese took a look at his team. It's like, yeah, that's really our best offense. Let's do that. Sure. And there you go. We also have Michael Mayer. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you you got all kinds of beasts all over the place, but that's, that's what I, uh, you know, I'm enjoying about this, you know, BK Mm -hmm. 2.0, this resurgence is, and this is going to be a huge test. Because you got to rebuild yes. the offensive line, and that is by far the scariest piece of the puzzle there. You need somebody to the side of Kyle Hamilton, and the rest of the secondary does need to prove themselves as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to have some, you know, moving around the linebacker core, even though they look pretty solid. And then it's, you know, receivers, offense, who's going to say it seems to be the eternal question. What sure. non-tight end is going to get the yeah. ball to them? And we finally figured out the running back thing, which is great. But sure. there's questions all over the place with this team, but I still have this almost weird calm where I look at the schedule. It's like, okay, that one's tough. That one's tough. But man, I, I can't, I can't put myself in a mindset to where I'm like, well, I can't see that eight and five shit happening again. If that happens, something went seriously wrong. freaking wrong. Wrong. Yeah. I mean, it, it just, you, you just take a look at, I mean, Jack Cohn's presence alone. I mean, in terms of adapting to the new landscape, when was the last time Notre Dame had a transfer quarterback just come in and essentially start? I mean, can, can you even think of a time? I mean, I know that this feels commonplace because of the way the sports looks today, but this shit is Notre Dame specifically is revolutionary that he brought in fucking Jack Cohn. Like it's fucking insane because if not, we would have all been sitting there like, hey, do you feel good about Drew Pine? Uh, who? Yeah, that's that's exactly how we would have all been. Like, we would have all just, I mean, it would have been Tyler Buckner or Bust. And, you know, that we would have been forcing the issue. We would have been, you know, guaranteeing a minimum of, you know, an error game or two. You know, where we lose when we weren't supposed to because somebody wasn't paying attention or somebody didn't know the game plan. To bring in just the safety net of this guy has started and won in the Big Ten. This guy understands how a program is supposed to function. He is not going to do anything insane. And he's what, like six foot five? We can at least get the, you know, the ball in the places where it needs to be in the event that something happens to Drew or Tyler's not ready to step up. No fucking problem. I mean, or we and, can't figure out what the offensive line is like. We got somebody that right. knows how to take a damn hit. Exactly. I mean, that's a very I mean, realistic thing that's going on right now. Yes, because our O line, that's another part. It's like, these are, this is a, a completely new configuration. Never before was Jared Patterson anywhere but under center. Well, guess what? That shit is not happening this season. It's just not happening. So get with it. I mean, the idea is everything is going to be switched. Everyone's going to be communicating in new directions on new levels. They're going to be having new assignments. They're going to have new gaps to making sure that they're taken care of. Jack Owen is going to have to be, like, as is just there. To being able to understand, like, I understand where pressures should be coming from for the most part, because I've seen these defensive alignments before. And 
whatever our program is expected to do, I can at least learn it because I've been in this position before. Like just the fact that that was immediately seized upon. Yes, nobody was impressed that it was Jack Cohen. I don't really know why, but everyone acted like, oh, but why of all people, Jack Cohen? I'm like, I don't know. You find something better, bitch. I mean, this is this is the best thing we got right now. And it's ask LSU fans how they felt about their transfer quarterback that came in there. Like, yeah, Joe, they, Joe, Joe, Joe Burr. He couldn't even start at Ohio State. What the hell are you talking about? Yeah, I, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, are we saying Jack Cohen is Joe Burrow? No, I, I mean, no, no. no. I, I think uh, let's, <laughs> let's be honest. Yeah, let's not get that twisted. It's it's definitely no. a different situation. But no, but like you have to understand that like just all of these minor, what seem like major. Oh, what, I'm sorry, what seem like minor things have major implications. Like just for the sake of when you look at that schedule, yeah, maybe Vegas. Picks Notre Dame to lose, you know, in against Wisconsin and Soldier Field or some bullshit. Like whatever. Like that. That is that is the one time. Like do you in years past, how many times did you see in an inexplicable USC favored by fifteen points and they're not even fucking ranked? You know what I mean? Like how many times was that the case? Just because it was the the perception of Notre Dame. This is a perception that they could not live up to these bigger moments. They could not match these athletics, you know, the, the athletes on the other side. They couldn't match the level up of, of, of physicality, the strength, the, the the weather even. Like, just little nonsense was held in such high regard against Notre Dame. That stuff is now on the flip side, essentially. Now, the little things don't phase the program at all. It's It's really just boils down to, can this team put together enough of a complete game to really outlast this team if they're better. But if you look at the schedule right now, it's you, I no longer feel the fear of, okay, I could see eight and five. Or, hey, let's take a poll. This media member says, I expect nine and three. This media member says, I expect eight and four. This media member says, I think maybe 10 and two. Like, you no longer really have that. The 10 and two guy has questions to answer now. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and this year, I think this season, they're easier to answer because that feels like about where everyone is, where you kind of are trying to gauge at least the way too early predictions, because mm-hmm. uh, th- this feels like the only comparison I can make it to uh, as far as like recent history. That I can think of like this situation where you have so many question marks, uh, especially yeah. on the O-line is 2007, because you had this mm-hmm. exact situation minus the grad transfer QB, because what do you have? Okay. You have hotshot Jimmy Clausen coming in. <laughs> You got you got the the big star. You got the oh man, this guy's gonna light it up. Heisman's everywhere. It's a it's it's what everybody wants. It's that QB. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be the difference maker. Problem was he didn't have crap around him at all. Nothing. The offensive Nothing. line was an absolute disaster, and Jimmy wasn't awful, but that was a position for any freshman to fail in. Yeah, and, and that is more or less what Notre Dame took a look at. It's like, no, we got to get, like you said, that safety net, somebody that recognizes this, somebody, uh, even BK said the one of the downsides that Book had was he wasn't decisive enough in the red zone. Cone is decisive. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's the thing they want. They want somebody that can make decisions because they may just face somebody blitzing out of their mind, like yeah. a Cincinnati maybe, and it's going to yeah. come up, find a way to screw with them. But you, if you have somebody that can make decisive moves, let the playmakers that are around them do their thing, that's what saves you. That's what lets you win a game as opposed to us looking back at the season and finding, and, and this seemed to happen all the time with Notre Dame, where the losses were so frustrating because you could find about 10 different spots where if just a little bit changed, there's a win. There's a victory. Yeah. You see this this other path. And now it's... 
it's been, hey, we lost because uh, guess what? That team was just fucking better. Like, just Way better. better. <laughs> and yeah, and yeah. there's not much you can do about that. And obviously, we don't want to be at that point, but that is, that's a much better reality to live with than the other one where you're just pulling your hair out because, like, you lost in Tallahassee because you came right to that moment and offensive mm-hmm. pass interference changed everything. Where if you look back at the rest of the game, there's other spots where you probably take that game over. And it doesn't yeah. come down to the last play. Clemson yeah. in the monsoon. Maybe it doesn't come down to that two-point conversion if you're not fucking around for three quarters. Yeah, maybe you don't lose to Tulsa just because you lose your shit. Oh, God. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes, <laughs> like, exactly. These are, these, are, these are just things that feel like a bygone era now. Like, you know, I, I can see, you know, a lesser opponent. Like fucking, like a Northwestern 20... You know, it's just like a, a game like that when where you just... You walk in thinking, okay, like Notre Dame should win by, you know, a couple touchdowns or whatever, but they end up losing by three or some shit and you, and you, and you're, you're, you're out of answers. You're out of answers by, by halftime because the team didn't show up. That stuff now just feels like this is no longer the, you know, really at all a prevalent notion for this program. It doesn't feel like something that can really sneak up on you. It feels like if a team shows up and and is, is ready to play with Notre Dame, it's because they were expected to do so. And Notre Dame was hopefully, you know, just more prepared or, or, or something. But it's no longer just this, where did that come from feeling? Exactly. And, and there's another big piece of this. And we're hmm. going to dig into that here next. And that's, that's the yeah. recruiting and the roster side. But yes. before we do that, oh yeah, we, we got we got a little bit of a, an announcement here, and that is we got a new partner with her little sons, and that is the good brand Home Field Apparel. Uh, <laughs> they, they do premium college apparel um, in Indianapolis, uh, and I tell you what, Shane, I know uh, you're watching some tracking information right now. Uh, you're you're going to get a little preview package here. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I am absolutely stoked. I mean, this is something that I have not only been waiting for them to do, but like just the fact that when you mentioned we had this opportunity to partner with them, I, I, I just like, I paused. I sat there and I told my wife, like, yo, we got a sponsor. She goes, Oh, yeah, that sounds fun with who? Like, it, you don't understand. <laughs> we got the sponsor. <laughs> yeah. And if, in case you're under a rock, they are launching their Notre Dame vintage line. And mm-hmm. it is in a little thing they call big uh, new and not noon, big new Saturday. Uh, <laughs> they will launch off with Notre Dame. Uh, that will be on June the 5th at noon. It will be a vintage line. They, they dig back in. They look for quality logos and guys with a historic brand like Notre Dame. Oh man, I've been excited and the stuff I've, the, what I got, I, I really, you know, I trolled people by showing the backs of the shirts on Twitter today. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> trust me. I want to show you what I have. Oh, but trust me, you got some good stuff coming. Um, oh. and, and I tell you what, like no lie right now. Uh, one of the things I can share is I have a hoodie. Okay. Uh-huh. I don't know if I'm ever going to see that hoodie again because Mrs. Tex is wearing it right now. Yeah. I said, oh, you got to feel that. I made the mistake. I made the mistake. I said, feel how comfortable this is. Uh-huh. Says, oh, yeah. Well, that looks a little bit small on you. I think it should be mine. Now. 
<laughs> she went not only did she not only did she leverage the comfort of home field against you but she even used your own body she against did. you i got <laughs> i got body i got body shamed in the new digs but yes uh it's a sweet looking hoodie i will try to steal it back at some point i mean you know what i may just have to buy another one and in fact if you are going to finally dive in you don't mm-hmm. know what this is about you really have to check out homefieldapparel.com and you can get 15% off your first purchase. If, if you want to go ahead and use this 15% off, it's live now. If you yeah. want to use it, that is Loyal Sons. Again, that is 15% off your first purchase with Loyal Sons. Or you can hold on to it for that big new Saturday when it's coming up. Uh, Let me yeah. say, there is, there, there, uh, we're not going to, uh, obviously you can't, this is not a visual medium. But there is a, there is a, champ, a National Champs shirt. That they got, that, that, that they're about to, oh my ooh, ooh, God. Ah, 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 <laughs> ah, there's, ah, there's, we won't say exactly what it is, you, but there, you, there's a story, you, history behind it. Pick a year, think of one. <laughs> there are many, but they, y'all, they it's, have some, they have some designs that I am like, I'm, my, my wallet's got the itch and I'm, and I just bought a house, y'all. I, I, the wallet's got the itch. Yeah, we, we got wallets, what's going on. But yes, you can tell we're very excited. Again, homefieldapparel.com is where you can find this. Use the checkout code LOYALSONS and you can get 15% off. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, oh, God, I'm excited about that. Uh, you, you came this close to completely blowing the lid off everything. I came this close, <laughs> but I didn't. I didn't. Listen, the good brand is where it's at. That just just know that we are now. We feel now we are in good hands. You should be too. Yeah, and, and look, they they paid for a sixty second spot, and we went well over that. That should tell you enough. We're actually legitimately excited about this. Yes. Oh, it's it's so good. I I can't wait to see more designs. I'm already like, yep, getting that one, getting that one, getting yep. that one. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You know what? You know, at Home Field Apparel, they may be a good brand, but they are evil geniuses because they gave us stuff and they let us all share like it within, you know, everybody promoting this. And it's like, huh, they knew we were all going to buy everything else, right? Oh, they, yeah. they suck. Okay. Oh, yes. <laughs> Cannot wait. Okay. Well, let's get back on topic here. I have no idea how I'm going to do an ad-free version of this for the Patreon. <laughs> Might not be able to. <laughs> uh, but um, look, w- w- to get back on track, the other important part of this expectations part, it's really kind of the hot topic. And, and Shay mentioned it earlier uh, about mm. being you know, jazzed about recruiting again. And mm-hmm. that's really, I mean, that's, that's the lifeblood of the program and, and we all know it, but it's still like it, it, for me, especially I think because BK has been here for so long and you had the same people out recruiting and whatnot, you, you just, I don't know, but maybe it, it just, I was in a malaise in general, mm. just with the whole thing. But yeah, with Marcus Freeman coming in and with some of the moves that are going on in the background, both in and out of the program. Um, you really see this big push that Notre Dame's making. We got a lot of things that are coming down the pipe. Some will probably need their own podcast episodes to talk about because mm. the name, image, and likeness stuff. Ah, it, yes. it, it's happening at some point. You don't know exactly what it's going to look like. Uh, I mentioned in one of my Friday roundups that I do on the Patreon, uh, Auburn like launched an entire program based off of <laughs> Alabama. Alabama doesn't even have any laws there yet, but they went ahead and launched one. I mean, mm-hmm. people are not waiting around for this. And even Notre Dame, you can see when they did that billboard thing. And if you miss the billboards where it's like, I'm from locale and it's an actual Notre Dame player saying, and I yeah. chose Notre Dame. 
Like that is, and you she got the genius. players taking pictures next to it and everything. You could, you could feel that excitement. And then somebody's thinking, it's like, oh, well, if Notre Dame wants to do this, like for recruiting purposes, what, what can they leverage for me? Like, and, you know, when this name, image, and likeness stuff, so they clearly have a plan right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we talked earlier about grad transfers. Now transfers, it's, it's open. Finally, thank God, it's open season. Open you, get, season. You, get, you, get a, you get a one-time freebie. And I don't think it's going to be this hell. Coaches, all right. Hey, coaches are going to talk shit about this because every coach is a control freak. They're not going to mm-hmm. like this because it takes the power out of their hands. You're going to see a lot of players maybe jump when they shouldn't jump. Sure. But you, it's not going to be this massive thing. Like you, you will see some kids make mistakes because that's what kids do. But for the most part, I think you're going to see more of it's the guy at the bottom of the depth chart that knows it, it's time to go somewhere else. I, you know, football is that important to me to where I want to go play. Instead mm-hmm. of just doing the education and going through the motions right. and practice, which, dude, by all means, it's 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 literally your body and your ass on the line. Uh, yeah, might as well. So that's where now it's like, okay, with all this coming down, how is Notre Dame going to adjust to this, and, and how do we have the expectations? I think baseline expecting us to be anything like an Alabama or a Clemson. It is is so far Ohio State too. I mean, they're a five star mm. machine. That just ain't gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Like, like, do you do you see any reality, Shane, where that is a legitimate reality? Maybe not being at the top, taking over, but pecking away at some of that. Do, do you see Notre Dame pecking into that zero sum game? No, man, because they just play on a different level. I mean, it's it starts with academics, and we can always talk about that. But like at the at the bottom line, they are not interested. In signing everybody that they can just because of the ratings or the stars. At the end of the day, they need the fit. And that's something that I just don't expect. Maybe this is naive of me, but I don't expect Ohio State, Clemson, or Alabama to be, frankly, nearly as discerning when it comes to volume shooting. Like, it's a, the bottom line is it's, it's a different stratosphere entirely, right? It's, we're, we're talking about, you know, being, you know, at a level that where, where your program is churning and burning, you know, constantly. And I mean, you're, 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 you're only, you only have so many starters. You only have so much capacity on your roster. And at the end of the day, those people need to be at the level to stay on the team. First and foremost. And second of all, I mean, the, the talent that, 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 the talent pool, if you will, that Notre Dame is reaching into, it's just, it's so national. It's international. It's so broad that it doesn't really allow for this pinpoint accuracy of let me stay in Florida, Georgia, Alabama, and California and just go after everybody and every and anybody that has heard of my program and is at the top of their game in their state. You just, you just can't afford to do that, you know, and it's not because of anything other than the fact that it's, it's just not the same level perception. It just isn't, it just, it won't ever be. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing when those programs, like you said, and that's what I think people forget about is, you know, stack those classes back to back to back and, Mm -hmm. and then take a look. Okay. You got all these five and four star guys and there's just not room for everybody. Nope. And, and, and they're incredibly, and it's really, and it is a credit to how they built that, those programs to where, yeah, be patient. Again, it's similar to what Notre Dame has done, but it's Notre Dame's doing it like a four and three star level right now. Somehow, I mean, 
the, Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State, they ask for the patience for, like, especially Alabama. I mean, they seem to have a two-star, <laughs> or excuse me, two-deep five-star death chart, which yes. is just balls insane. But those guys are willing to have the patience to feel like mm-hmm. their time's going to come. And like you said, they have to stay at that level to be good enough because if they're not, they know there's a whole group of people waiting to replace them. Maybe not the next year, but two years from now, mm-hmm. it's going to happen to them. So that's, that's a very hard thing to do and to pull off. And that's when, again, it's that glass ceiling where you're just kind of pecking because Notre Dame has to, when they get one of those five stars, it's got to be like a Kyle Hamilton. It has to just mm-hmm. be this no doubt you hit because the other side of that is you have a five star in Jordan Johnson that never mm. played like a five star. And I, I know a lot of people wanted to freak out and say, well, BK is just not playing the guys. But if, if, if you read anything that came from the beat or listened to any podcast around the beat, nobody was shocked at all. They were, you know, it was like, well, this doesn't seem like a good move, but we can't say we're surprised. Just mm-hmm. didn't seem like it was working. Wasn't a good fit. He kind of screwed up in the blue gold game. Wasn't even targeted. So something's going on there. It's just he's not cracking yeah. through. And it's like, well, he'll probably end up. I remember the Irish Illustrated guy. So I'll probably like a Mizzou or like a lower tier SEC team. And he goes mm-hmm. to UCF. Yeah, man. Which is weird. Not not dogging UCF by any means, but that wasn't the move I was expecting him to make, which almost says that everybody else kind of around is like, okay, Maybe you were hot shit when you had that recruiting ranking, but we've seen the tape and nah, son, like you want to come here fine, but we probably don't have room for you. Yeah, man. Like sometimes, you know, it's an easy adage, but a lot of us make the mistake of thinking someone said five stars. That's a five star guy. You know what I mean? Just at the end of the day, recruiting services are all subjective and they're all estimations they're rough guesses they're projections you know nothing nothing ever is written in stone you know i mean not everyone you know even back to you know andrew luck like he he still had his downs he still had his moments in his college career like it's never just perfect it's never start to finish exactly what you think i mean trevor lawrence maybe might be one of the fucking recent exceptions. But I mean, when when you're told a player is a certain level, you kind of ignore the forest for the trees in front of you. Like, you know, at, at the end of the day, like you have to look at what's being produced by that individual. And if you're wondering, hey, man, I haven't heard shit about this guy in practice. I haven't heard, hey, uh, Jordan Johnson had an amazing touchdown catch. I heard Xavier Watts. Who is even that guy? I heard he had a great practice. But why? You know, he was a three-star athlete. What's going on with Jordan Johnson? I miss Jordan Johnson. Like when you get caught in that mentality, you're setting yourself up, I'm sorry, for failure. And at the end of the day, you are not able, all of us, and I'm saying you, the collective outsider view, including myself, we're not able to see what the coaches see every day, not just in practice, but the character of the player, the will, the resolve, the focus on their, their studio, on their studies, their job, their commitments, the things that they have to, the little things that they have to do. If they can't do that stuff, they're not, they're not really the five star player you're thinking of, right? They're not that caliber. They're not the Kyle Hamilton of wide receivers because they're not the ones shining. They're not the ones demanding that attention. They're not the ones enforcing the coaches to choose to play them. Instead, Jordan Johnson ends up, I mean, 
They looked, they saw, and they were like, we're more comfortable with Brayden Lindsay. We're more comfortable with Lawrence Keyes. We're, we're more we're comfortable. We're going to go bring in Skoronic from Northwestern. We, we like that you. white guy from, from Chicago. <laughs> you know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there, at the end of the day, you have to understand that it's more, it's, there's more to an evaluation than what fucking 247 Sports says. You know, there's, it's more, there's more to it than that. And he just never produced. And like you said, man, it speaks volumes. That he wound up in a Power Five conference, or outside the Power Five, rather. Uh, sorry, sorry, in a gen, in a group of five conference. Yeah. My mistake. It's it speaks volumes that he wound up there because, like you said, man, like there he there there are programs abound that could be using a a high production tall wide receiver like Jordan Johnson, and none of them needed him. Yeah. And look, you, know? you always, I know we're, we're kind of dogging him. You always want the best for the kid. And it does cut two ways. Like, it, this is also on the coaching staff for completely missing the mark on him because, by all mm. accounts, the biggest problem that Jordan Johnson had from day one was literally adjusting to the academic rigors of Notre mm-hmm. Dame. And that's, that's sure. part of this. And yeah, look, the football team, they're going to take some risks, but in those risks, they got to be calculated and you got to make sure that they work yeah. out and they pan out. And for whatever reason, they have haven't been panning out and and you know getting down like i said into the nitty-gritty of this it hasn't worked out at receiver right now right. for whatever reason and it feels like a few years ago we were saying this about the running back position shane yeah. how do you feel about the running back position right now i'm obsessed with it yeah, i'm absolutely like, like i'm obsessed from kyron williams all the way through sebo flamister even audrick estimate like i i don't care like i i feel so like you know it's something where it can take it can be one player. It can be one coaching change. It can be one small catalyst and everything changes. And I feel like, you know, the wide receiver position, they tried. They, and they tried to make that next step. They hired Dell Alexander. They were hoping for something to kind of elevate itself. And I mean, maybe there's something there, you know, because we have seen that in recent past, the coaching changes seem to have driven the greatest change. But at the end of the day, man, like if they're not producing, it's the player's responsibility. You know, yeah, it's, it's, it's at the, at the end of the day, you can't blame anyone else, but the product on the field. And you also wonder, you know, injury luck has been particularly bad at that position too. You know, yeah. if Kevin Austin is healthy, do, do we feel, I mean, it's not, it, all of a sudden it's, he's not going to turn into like, you know, make everybody an Alabama receiver core, but that's a huge weapon that just, he can't stay healthy right now. Right. And you're just hoping he can, he can finally do it for a season. Braden Lindsay, you know, he, he came out that first season when he finally got some touches. You're like, whoa, that, that, that dude is, is a little rocket right now. Like this, this is fun to watch. And, mm-hmm. and then, you know, tweaks a hamstring and, and just never seems right. Maybe this is a season he gets back on track. But th- there are some misses there. And, and look, you're going to have misses, and that's partly on the, rec- uh, the coaching staff. That's also partly on the player. I mean, sometimes kids just don't pan out. You have early bloomers and you have late bloomers, and you got to figure, find those diamonds in the rough. But, you know, Notre Dame has had some really critical misses. And the margin of error, because you're only getting one or two of those five stars a cycle, when you miss on them, man, it hurts like sure. hell when you miss. Yeah, man. Yeah, and it's just and I, and that, and that's the biggest difference to me as far as there. But like, it's weird though. In any other time, regardless of a five star panning out or not, in general, just where this program is, because you also had Gibbons that left, and he might have had a shot at starting or having an impact <clears throat> on the line potentially it, with as much question marks there. Exactly. It, it, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with you. It. 
it, it I was going to say his departure, I think, made less sense than really any other in recent memory, especially given the landscape, the timing, and it, it just, just the question marks that were, that were raised. But, you know, if, if, if really what he thought was, I'm being put in a position where I don't feel like I'm going to play or I'm not going to start just because these two freshmen came in. Chief, I'm sorry to tell you, buddy, but like, it's on you. Yeah, it's on and, you. And that's the thing. When you look at this, it, you don't have a full freak out moment. I, I think is yeah. the biggest thing. It's, it's like, wow, that kind of sucks. I could see positions to where if A, B, and C all happen in order, this mm. could help the team out. But you have mm. no idea if all those are going to hit. So you're like, oh, okay. Uh, the, you know, these transfers aren't the end of the world. And it's also, you know, at least in my mind, when I look at the roster uh, from a bigger picture perspective and when I'm looking at expectations, man, I'm, I'm ready for people to transfer every year now. It doesn't shock me anymore because in my mind, because you have that limited, you know, 85 scholarships to play with. You're not Notre Dame's not going to get in the practice of gray shirting by any means. It seems like no. you don't, you don't <laughs> see it. No, you don't see that happening in anywhere, shape or form. It's, it's too damn expensive to play that game for one. Because right, if you don't right, know what right. gray shirting is, basically it means, hey, we'll give you a scholarship when one opens up. First year's on you, chief. Yeah, that yeah, Notre Dame's yeah. out of school. You want to do that kind of crap too. That that's a very expensive proposition. Uh, but basically. If you're developing players, and like you said, if you're you're hitting the max every cycle, do the math. You can get 25 re- recruits every class. There's 85 scholarships. Yeah, man. So that 15 people are fucked every out. time. Yeah. <laughs> so, something, something's got to give at, at the end of yeah. the day. Something has to give. And we're looking for grad transfers every year because it's the other side of the coin. We're bringing people into this program. We're going to mm-hmm. bring probably somebody else in before it's all hey, said man, and Wapu done. Wapu Nation's also a thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't. So, so you have all this going on. It, it, it's a sign, at least for me, it feels healthy. It's not like, like God, everybody's jumping shit, man. Like every every big recruit's leaving, and, and it hasn't ever really felt like that. And you feel like, okay, well, they're they're trying to get their shot somewhere else. Like you know, Dracovic leaving, you know, Gunnar Kiel left. You're like, oh, okay. And then, you know, Wimbush leaving, you're like, damn, that, that kind of sucks. But, and then you don't see them pan out everywhere else, which sucks because you end up liking these, these players as people. You're like, well, maybe maybe this is going to be a great situation, but I cannot think, I mean, Dracovic might be the only one that, you know, depending on what happens this season, that might, you know, end up coming out at the better end of this deal. But he's not lighting the world on fire like we hoped he was going <laughs> to do for us. And he's not lighting the world on fire at Boston College. You know, so you, you don't see these, you know, people when they have to jump around, you know, really make anything of it. Even really talented people like Kevin Stefferson, where it's like, hey, this just wasn't a fit. The talent's there. And it just it, it doesn't seem to work out for him right now. And it just it, it sucks. But when people leave Notre Dame. It's not a God, the coaching staff sucks. Nobody can figure out how to play the young guys or whatever. It's typically for a reason. And it, mm-hmm. they don't seem to be really helping their other teams out. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, like it's, it's the nature of the beast, right? That, you know, a recruit is going to come into the program, is going to perhaps not achieve to the level of expectations or just not fit. You know, I mean, that, that shit happens. I feel like we forget that that shit happens so often where like they walk into the door, they're sold on the pitch, they feel all the sunshine and rainbows and they see all the glitter and the glam. And then when they get there in it's real life, it just doesn't work. 
you know, like, it, especially at our program, you know, maybe that's going to be changing in the near future, but like as rigorous and as demanding of your focus and your time as Notre Dame can be like, just like at a Stanford, just like at, you know, wherever else, like, it's not that it's not always as simple as like, oh, they just weren't as good as we thought. Like, sometimes it's a character thing. Kevin Stefferson, you know, I mean, like, it's sometimes it's just a personality fit issue. Like, it, it it can be any any myriad of thing, but like at at the same time, like you said, it's not like they go away, they leave the program, and they 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 win the Heisman. You know, imagine how Ohio State fans feel. You know, that right. shit sucks. That <laughs> shit sucks. But like, you know, I mean, I I love Brandon Wimbush. I loved that guy. Like, I loved his personality. I loved his vibe. I love that he went to UCF because that's my shit. That's my fir- the first school that I ever went to. And but like, he couldn't even see the field. And at the end of the day, it's because, you know, there's just better, there's just better talent in front of them. And like, you can't, you can't help that shit. Like, so, you know, when, when you're, when you see, when you see a program like Notre Dame, like have these issues where like you want, you want them to be at the same level of Alabama, like dude, Alabama lives on gray shirting. They live on that shit. Like they just, they tell a player, it's like, please come here. You will do nothing for a year. You won't even, you won't even be part of nothing. You know, you, you, you might be a student. We may we may even remember your name after the end of the year. You know what I'm saying? No like guarantees. Literally and some no players guarantees. go, "Thank you, sir. Please, I would love that." And it's like no one does that. No one thinks that way about Notre Dame. No one's sitting there thinking the same level of like, "I will wait my ass in line," you know, for as long as it takes. No, like when they get to a program like Notre Dame, it's you know, it's probably under the expectation, Ala Phil Dracovic, that they're going to shine just like they did in high school. They're going to blow the fucking competition out of the water. But I mean. It, it doesn't always pan out. And, and like you said, yeah, Phil Jerkovic is probably going to be the, the more, the, the most likely exception to this perception that he, he left and he's going to find the success because the dude's just got the little, the physical intangibles that the NFL shits themselves over. Like right. it's just, that's just the fact of the matter. It's not because, oh, BK couldn't do it. It's because we had him book, man. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> Why would we? That- that's how you hope these things work out. It works out for both sides. Right, right. And and that's exactly it. That he that what the perception should be is that when the player leaves, when they decide to leave, at the end of the day, they're doing the best thing for them. Man, they're not they're not shitting on Notre Dame on the way out the door. They're not walking away and being like, oh fuck them, they're garbage. They're like, no, they're they're doing it because they believe they they deserve a shot to play, and this place just doesn't have enough spots for them to do it. And they should go succeed. Phil Dracovic should get drafted in the first two rounds because fuck, that'd be great, man. Like, but the only thing we don't want to see, and and it's the selfish part, is that be, that he walks in with BC and beats the shit out of Notre Dame. That would be the only part where it's like, well, now what? But at the end of the day, even if that happens, like honestly, even if that happens. Good for him. I'm sorry to say. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just a kid, man. How, like, how can you really be that? Like, your name isn't, your name isn't Ryan, you know, Notre Dame. Like, you're, the school isn't named after you. You know, the fan is just a person that follows the program out of a passion for their, their structure, their beliefs, their, maybe it's your alma mater. Maybe it's just something that you connect with, whatever the fuck, family history. It's not that it's personal against you. You should let these kids be happy, be successful. And even if it's at the expense of your team, bro, I'm sorry. Like it just shit happens, you know, 
If Joe Burrow were to have come back and beat the crap out of Ohio State, given the opportunity, yo, that would have been hilarious. I would have loved that. You know what I'm saying? That just would have been a great story. But like, you know, and I'm saying this, like, I'm sure you're, you're, you may be thinking like, wait till the day it happens to you, Shane. Wait till the day, you know, you, you play Phil Jerkovic in a playoff game by accident or some shit. It's like, okay, I kind of, I'm kind of interested. I'm into that. That'd be fun. You know what I'm saying? Like, call me crazy, but like, this is a sport where, we're following supposed amateurs who are now giving up op- being given opportunities to elevate their status, get name, image, and likeness rights, get an opportunity to play where they can, get that free transfer opportunity, like the just sport that they should have had. And it's like, I just can't see it in my heart to be mad just because they thought, well, I can go play over there today. I might as well do that. Like if we, if we line up. And if MTA is blocking Dylan fucking Gibbons in week one at FSU, I'm going to be into that. I'm going to be like, I'm I'm sure they're going to be into that. I'm sure they're both going to love that. You know, why shouldn't we? Yeah, that would be, I mean, that is probably the most hilarious thing because of the automatic, you know, don't worry about transferring. You can start if if Gibbons does make an FSU, God knows they need all the help they can get on that offensive line. Like that's, that's a unbelievable storyline and 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 now that coaches can't do this well you're on our schedule you're gonna have to like you know bench yourself for a year there's yeah. gonna be a lot more of those situations around yeah, college man. football as a whole and it's gonna be a shit ton of fun yeah uh, but yeah like al- although jordan johnson said it was personal i have no idea what he meant by that <laughs> but yeah I, I'm, I'm really confused but <laughs> Look, and, and like you said, not to dog Jordan Johnson. This is another situation where all I'm trying to speak is the facts. But, buddy, if this is personal, like, maybe save that for Memphis when, you know, they got you down to the wire because UCF seems to have that trouble every season. You know what I'm saying? Like, this... It's not personal. It's not. My, my, and maybe he meant something different by it because sure. we, we all know Twitter is a wonderful you're, medium. You're to right. Make these you're kind right. You're probably right. Yeah, you're probably uh, right. Yeah. I mean, overall, that's that's what I see for for Notre Dame is like the, the transfer and the the attrition is normal signs of a healthy program. And, and you really hope it, And what I'm hoping, because you've hit on it, that now it, 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 there's a different piece in there with the name image and likeness and like i said this is probably going to be its own episode at some point but Mm -hmm. that's where i'm really hoping notre dame can be a leader in the field because it feels like for basically god ever since i walked onto campus notre dame's been playing catch up to the entire college football game and that's not the way notre dame used to roll they were kind of you know uh, depending on who you ask, they were either leading the way or cutting the right corners all in Newt Rockney, you know, maybe having a few yeah. professional ringers on his team here and there. But sure. no, no, Notre Dame, uh, you know, they were known for being innovative. They were known for, you know, taking that next step and before anybody else thought of it. So I'm really hoping this is a chance for them to be able to do that. Cause if there's anything that I think Notre Dame is uniquely able to position better, you know, cause it's, it's the whole 40 year decision thing. I think mm-hmm. team image and likeness can kind of squeeze in there a little bit more because oh, yeah. you could just say, it's like, look, you can have this stuff happen here. Now look at all the alumni still doing all this shit that are like attaching their names on the stuff. We can teach you how to do that effectively and responsibly and not get your ass scammed because some asshole with a used car dealership says that they're going to, you know, just do a promo for me and get X amount of money or whatever it may be that people fear. And at the end of the day, it's like, well, well shit, you sucked. Um, I'm done with you. Like, right. It, it's going to become business. That's what people I, I think forget about. It's going to be business decisions for all the people throwing this money around. Yeah. And it should be, man. It's about damn time. 
Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be very interesting, and I, I want to see Notre Dame take the lead on that. The billboard thing was very unique; it was very I cool. Loved it. But I, I don't want to see them fall behind because I think if they take this step, if we have any hope of really effectively closing that gap and or yeah. actually rather that chasm that is is between the haves and have nots and the zero sim game that is recruiting, man, that's got to be the ticket. They absolutely have to freaking do that. Otherwise, you know, it's hey. Do what you can. You better hit every single time. And if you're going to miss, you better miss on a three star that didn't pan out to be, you know, uh, uh, the next, you know, five star diamond in the rough that you pulled out. You know, I want to see, you know, as much as I love Chase Claypool, I want to see less Chase Claypool stories and more (laughs) Kyle Hamilton stories, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's what I want to see. And and obviously the other side, you know, less, you know, Kevin Sufferson and Jordan Johnson stories like, you know, learn to let go maybe of maybe that risk just isn't worth it. And and yeah, you know, it sucks, but they don't care about what other people think of them and the stars ratings. So it's their job to find the fit. I hope they can do it. And, and maybe, you know, build that roster. It's it's gotten a hell of a lot better, but as this last past season proved, they still got some more work to do. Uh, but, hey, it's a good spot to be in where we're like, hey, we feel a hell of a lot better than we did five years ago before the bottom even fell out. Yeah, honestly, like, you know, that's really the one thing that, like, I had found myself in recent years, like, not getting complacent, but, like, you know, the fire for... Like loving the every every aspect of of the team had like dwindled, but then you know then the playoff the first playoff appearance happened, and I remember you know I was still in Miami, you know I I actually called two of my friends who are both big UM fans, and I forced them. I went to their place, and I'm like, we're gonna watch my game at your house because you're gonna see that we can at least you're gonna you're gonna see in person that your program ain't shit and mine's in the playoff like that's how i wanted to do it they were like okay fine whatever and of course they got theirs i knew that Dame was gonna probably struggle against clemson so it was fair game they got to shit on me the whole time and i got to be like oh whatever it's fine but it was in that moment where i was like man i actually i'm finding that competitive fire about it again about like looking at college sports with less cynicism you know with more you know, more, more hopefulness. And then, and now that the, the, with the development of NIL and the, 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 the transfer uh, evolution rule, like the, it feels like I came back into the passion for this team and this sport, like at the right time, not just because Notre Dame walked me back in with the playoff appearances and all that stuff, but like it just felt like the team and the, the program and the sport as a whole was evolving in a way that like it just felt like this is, this is something more like what we've been wanting to watch not just as college football fans but even like specifically you and me as notre dame fans like we've been waiting for a product that's not only consumable but like it's delicious you know like it actually it goes down smooth and like even when things don't go right like you get a little indigestion like it passes because you're you're met with success right on the opposite side of that it's like it finally feels like a product that like you know I, i i want to keep getting more and more of like I, I finally find myself in the place where not just as a selfish fan, but like just as an appreciator of what this program has evolved into it versus what I thought BK was becoming in 2016 when we first started this shit. Like it just feels like this is the thing that I was hoping for. 
Right. And the dread that comes on the other side when you do stuff like a podcast or do a blog, everything is like, oh, God, man, fucking cover this shit again. Like, yep. How many more times can we say shit sucks? It's so much more fun. It's like, how many different ways can we say this team is great? This is yeah, fun. We're having exactly. awesome. I love the other problem now. It's funny. It's easier to get more people to tune in than listen when 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 things are going a little south because everybody wants mm-hmm. to, to hear that, you know, they get the angst. It's, it's misery loves company. But everybody wants to hear the solutions. You know, they want to listen to somebody get those pitchforks out, sharpen them up a little bit. Yep. But like, like good old Ty said, the solid verbal. Man, Notre Dame's just a boring, good football team right now. And yeah. I want it to stay that way for a long and time. I love this that. Shit's fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. It's great. All right. Well, I think that's about going to wrap it up for us, man. It, it felt good to knock off the rust a little bit in the podcast. And, and we're going to, I can't believe this, Shane. We'll, we'll be back next week for an episode. We're actually going to try to do this regularly now. We're going to do research and find topics. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you hear Jack or Eddie on one of these episodes, you know we immediately yeah. have ideas. Yeah, you know we need some, we need some heat because <laughs> we're out there. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, that is going to do it for us. Thank you so much for tuning in over at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, whatever your favorite podcast medium happens to be. Come keep the conversation going over at Discord, herlittlesons.com slash Discord. Make sure to follow us over on Twitch at twitch.tv slash herlittlesons. Of course, you can always find us over at herlittlesons.com. Take care, y'all. Go Irish. Get those vaccines. Beat COVID. Have a good one.